Hello world! Welcome back to my one-person podcast, The Bible Abridged. Today's episode is brought to you by Dietin Barbershop. That's where I go to get my hair cut, and you should too. Anyways, when we left off, Gideon had a bunch of sex slaves and a bunch of wives and went and fathered 70 goddamn sons and unspecified amount of daughters, just upping the chance of accidental incest in ancient Israel. Also, as I mentioned last episode, as soon as he died, everyone turned back to that chill god Baal again. Judges 9. Well, Gideon's most charismatic son, Abimelech, who's named after the king who tried to fuck a 90-year-old Sarah in episode 3, decided that his claim to the throne was as valid as anyone's. Now, it technically wasn't, as his mom was a sex slave, not a wife, but times were pretty chaotic at this point. What with being conquered, liberated, and conquered again about once every generation. So they decided to let him plead his case. He said, Would you rather have me and just me, or all 70 of Gideon's kids ruling together at once? The people of Shechem decided that these were the only two options and declared him to be in charge. Well, Abimelech got right to work, fucking everything up. They gave him 70 shekels and he used it to hire a bunch of goons to go fuck things up in his name. He went and murdered almost all of his 70 brothers, but the youngest one, Jotham, managed to hide and escape. So after that, Jotham went and gathered a crowd and told a story about a tree that didn't really make any sense, and then declared that all 70 of Gideon's kids had been murdered, metaphorically speaking, by the people backing the son of a sex slave for their leader, and then he mentioned that they'd all been actually murdered too. After the speech, he went and hid in a place called Beer, which is a place I also like to hide from time to time. Well, three years after Abimelech's reign, God decided to fuck with free will once again and turn the people of Shechem against Abimelech. Or maybe they themselves turned against Abimelech. It's funny how God always has to be involved in these stories like that. Anyways, then the citizens of Shechem started robbing people because God wanted to get back at Abimelech, or again, because they wanted to rob people. So things were starting to fall apart at the seams. And just in time, this guy named Gal came in. I know it's confusing. And started stirring up the people. He'd say things like, Who the hell is this Abimelech? And why should we, the people of Shechem, serve under him? Well, long story short, Gal eventually incited a rebellion, but lost and fled. After that happened, Abimelech made the tough decision to kill everyone in Shechem while they were working in the fields, burn the city down, and pour salt all over the earth so that nothing would ever grow there again. Some of the citizens of Shechem managed to retreat to the temple of el and Abimelech, thinking fast, decided to burn the temple down as well. Then Abimelech went and captured a new city named the Bez, because it was the Bez option around. <laughs> uh, a bunch of citizens went and hid in a tower, and Abimelech decided, why not burn even more goddamn people to death, and try to start a fire. Luckily for the people in the tower, some lady was carrying around a fucking millstone, and decided to drop it on Abimelech's head, busting open his skull. Abimelech laid there bleeding out of his head and begged his armor bearer to kill him. Quick, fucking stab me or something. I don't want them to say I was killed by a woman. His armor bearer quickly obliged. I wonder if it was also because he didn't want them to say that Abimelech was killed by a woman, or because he'd been wanting to murder Abimelech for quite some time now. Either way, I'm going to declare that Abimelech was killed by a woman. She busted open his skull and set the course for him to die by his armor bearer. So fuck you, Abimelech. You were killed by a woman. Oh, and of course, then it mentions that God was the one who did all this to pay Abimelech back for his wrongdoings. Fine. Sure. Whatever you say, book. 
Well, after Abimelech died, this other guy named Tola took over and accomplished nothing noteworthy in his 23 years as later. His dad was named Dodo, and that's all I have to say about him. After Tola, there was a guy named Jair, who had 30 sons, and they rode 30 donkeys and controlled 30 cities. Then he died, too. The record-keeping on these guys was spotty, to say the least. Once again, the Israelites started worshipping cool gods like Baal. Once again, they got conquered by the Philistines and the Ammonites. They begged God to save them, and he acted the way an all-powerful, all-knowing being totally would. And he said, Mmm, yes. I saved you from the conquerors before, and now you went and worshipped other gods. Well, fuck you. Let them save you next time you're in trouble. And that's not only paraphrased, by the way. It's pretty much verbatim what it says in the book. Well, the Israelites begged God, Hey, God, we're sorry. We made a mistake. God, you know you're the only God for us. This tugged at God's little heartstrings, and he was like, Okay, we'll see. Judges 11. So there's a place called Gilead. The guy named Gilead is from there. The story is a little confusing. So Gilead, the guy, had son with a local prostitute, or a sex worker, if you will. Gilead's other sons had presumably heard the story of Abimelech and decided to exile him right out of Gilead before he got any ideas of being one of them, or more likely killing all of them. So Jephthah, which was his name, by the way, was out in the land of Tob for a while. And one day, Gilead's other sons came and found him. They were like, um, I know we exiled you. It made you feel like you weren't, you know, good enough to be one of Gilead's sons and live in Gilead, but can you come back and lead our army? Jephthah got a little bitchy for a minute, but ultimately decided to go back and lead their army against the occupying Ammonites. Jephthah started a dialogue and peaceful negotiations with the Ammonite king that the book didn't feel like naming, and he tried to play it off like Israel had never swept through some lands and killed a shitload of people over the last 200-300 years. The Ammonite king stopped responding to Jephthah once he started saying, Oh, let's let our crazy-ass God decide whose land is whose. This pissed Jephthah off and he told God, God, if you let me kill those Ammonites, I will set fire to whatever or whoever greets me at my house when I get home. That's a fucking weird thing to say, Jephthah. Well, Jephthah was successful in the slaughter of the Ammonites, and as we learned, when anything happens, it's because God did it, not us. When he came back to his home, his daughter came to greet him, playing a timbrel and dancing around. As soon as he saw her, he tore his clothes off and started crying, Oh, why did I say that thing about whatever or whoever greets me or set on fire? Yes, Jephthah, why indeed did you say that, you fucking idiot? What did you think was going to come and greet you when you got home? A fucking spider or something? Well, Jephthah decided he couldn't break a promise to God, so he told his daughter, Sorry, I have to set you on fire to make God happy. And she's pretty understanding, she said. That makes sense. I suppose God helped you kill a bunch of foreigners, so now you have to set me on fire. Just let me go cry for two months with my friends, and then you can kill me. Well, two months passed, and Jephthah's daughter came back, which... I would not have done. And he set her on fire. And she died a virgin, it says. And I'm like, why? Not only why is that important, but why would you do that? You have two months to live. Go and fuck. Go and fuck everyone. What are they going to do? Set you on fire? Already in the cards for you. Oh, also, that's why Jewish women go out and cry for four days every year. In a thing called, like, Arbit Yaman, which I'd never heard of before today. Because Jephthah was a fucking moron. And so was his daughter for coming home. And so was his God for allowing this. And so was the person writing this down. Judges 12. 
Well, just like with Gideon, the Ephraim folks got up in Jephthah's face and said, Why did you go kill all those Ammonites without us? You know what? Fuck you. We're going to burn down your house with you in it. And Jephthah told them he tried to contact them, but they didn't respond. Then he made the logical conclusion that all of them needed to die. He had all the Gilead folks, not his brothers, but just people who lived in the city of Gilead, take charge of all the Jordan River crossings. Then he came up with a plan. Apparently, people from Ephraim couldn't say the SH sound. So if you tried to cross the river, the Gileadites would say, Say Shibboleth. And if you said Sibboleth, they'd fucking kill you right where you stood. They killed 42,000 fucking Ephraimites this way. And then, after six years, Jephthah died. After Jephthah died, a guy named Ibsen took over. He had 30 sons and 30 daughters, and he married them off to people who were not related to him, which was apparently noteworthy. After Ibsen died, then there was Elon, and then Absen, who was Hillel's son. Hillel was the guy who started the Jewish fraternity. He had 70 kids... Those kids rode 70 donkeys, and that's all there was to his reign, apparently. And there you have it. The succession from Abimelech to Absun, with plenty of bloodshed and even a little human sacrifice thrown in. Check back soon, because next up, I'm doing my favorite story, or one of them anyways, the story of Samson. Oh, and also, check out Dietin Barbershop if you're in New York. And as always, thank you for listening.